Cape Ann Report, and I'm your host, Maureen Aylward. Our topic, the Cape Ann superintendents, they're back to school. Here with me at the table is Pam Bowden from Manchester Essex School District and Rob Lebo from Rockport Public Schools. Welcome to Cape Ann Report. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to have you here. It is back to school, and you must be busy. Is, are things uh, moving in school, Pam? Starting Monday, the floodgates opened, and uh, people are registering for classes, and last-minute residency changes, and life is returning to campus. It's mm -hmm, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Rob, any uh, any signs of life at Rockport? <laughs> signs of life, yes. Um, I mean, it's a great time of year because it's the one profession that sort of starts brand new every year. New kids, new faces, new teachers, and fresh start, and mm -hmm. new goals and challenges, and that's one of the beauties of the profession. Yeah, and uh, you know, even though school starts before Labor Day, mm -hmm. um, it it really just uh, it's a it's a marker in the calendar for both students and parents and teachers and staff um, and faculty at the schools. Um, so just uh, getting to one of the topics that I wanted to ask you about. Sure. Um, every school year starts new, as you said, uh, Pam. I'll start with you. What what are what's on your agenda? for the school sure. year. What are some of the issues that you're looking at yeah. this year to address? So we're still working collaboratively with the school committee to frame out our formal goals for the year, but we have uh, quite a bit on our plate in terms of big picture items. Uh, over the past few years, we've been spending quite a bit of time on our social emotional learning initiative. We partnered with Yale University for their ruler program. Um, we'll be entering our third year of that. Um, the first year was dedicated to training teachers and we started introducing it to students last year, so we'll continue to solidify the classroom work, and we're going to start to evaluate the program in partnership with Yale University and Harvard um, through a tower grant that they received. They're going to be coming in and giving us some assistance on implementation and assessment. So we're really excited about that. Could you explain um, the Ruler Program? Sure. The Ruler Program is a methodology. It's not a curriculum um, to help teachers and students become more uh, aware of emotional intelligence and how your emotions factor into your readiness for learning or any particular activity. So it's really um, a way of helping teachers develop their skill sets so they can help uh, students develop their skill sets um, and make productive learn. Um, create more productive learning environments in, in school. Kind of adjacent to that is we've been working collaboratively with the uh, police departments in Manchester and Essex to um, hopefully bring on board uh, a resource officer. Um, we have informal relationships now, but it's our hope that we can have a formal SRO join our staff going forward. So mm -hmm. we'll be continuing that work into the fall. Um, if anybody's driven by our campus or looked on our website, we're full into the Memorial School Building Project, right. which right. Um, I'm learning takes a considerable amount of time and energy from everybody on the school staff. So um, they tore down the first phase of um, demolition this summer and they're securing the ground to begin um, putting up steel in the fall. Mm -hmm. And we are on a really fast timeline. We are hoping to be into our academic wing at this time next year, we'll be moving into brand new and classrooms. And this is the Memorial Elementary School. Memorial Elementary School. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I'm going to shout out to our staff <laughs> because they have been um, kept out of the building for the majority of the summer. So typically our elementary teachers are great at coming in and starting to prep their rooms, but they, were, they weren't allowed in until this past week. So 
they've been fast and furious and trying to get up to speed. So that's going to be an exercise in flexibility over there this year because yeah. so we're occupying the campus. Right. I, I was going to ask yep. you, that was one of my questions, and I'll just throw that in there right sure. now since you're talking about the update. So students and teachers are still going to be in the, element, the old elementary school yes. building? So I wish I had brought my charts and graphs, but um, essentially it was, it's a um, kind of a, a ranch building with uh, three different wings, kind of the shape of an E, if you will. And uh, they removed one of the wings and now they're going to be building the, uh, the new structure, probably 10 feet from the existing structure. So with our slight decrease in enrollment, we were able to accommodate all the students in classrooms in the remaining part of the old building. So the kids are gonna, and teachers are gonna watch that go up right before their eyes this oh, year. That's amazing. So it's going to be really cool, probably yeah. going to be a little disruptive, yes. but <laughs> we're going to be flexible and roll with the punches. And yeah. I think everybody's excited. There's a real tangible outcome mm -hmm. to having to go through the process this year. So um, it will be fully complete in the fall of 2022. Um, with two more phases of demolition right. and building to follow. With the so gym, yep. and that, that, that would come later. Yep, um, next summer they'll take down uh, the administrative part of the building and build the gym, the cafeteria, and uh, the administrative offices, and those two pieces will be adjoined. So the final demo um, in the summer of 22 will be what is the gym and cafeteria now, which if we have uh, folks watching, What's nice is the gym is going to be fully operational. It's the site of town meeting for Manchester. So we won't have any major disruption to our activities or youth programming um, as we go forward. That's great. So that's super exciting. Um, said the list was long. We are also beginning a two-year strategic planning initiative. Uh, we've been conducting several third-party reviews of the district over the past few years, everything from our special education programs to the um, New England Association of um, Schools and Colleges review of the high school, and we did a New England uh, League of Middle Schools review of the middle school. So we have a lot of uh, data about what we can do to improve our work. Um, one of the outcomes of NEASC was a recommendation that we develop a vision of the graduate. Mm -hmm. So in our kind of two-year strategic planning process, we're gonna go forward this year with developing that vision of the graduate. That's gonna be a community school and community process. And then we're gonna use that vision as the driving force behind a multi-year strategic plan so that we can achieve our goals. Mm -hmm. well, so those are kind of the top three. Those are <laughs> My list is even longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Rob, let's give you a chance to talk about uh, your priorities for the school year. Well, first, Pam, that's really exciting to build a new school. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's an accomplishment. That and, uh, it has mm -hmm. its challenges, and it's ultimately one of the best things. So, As someone who loves learning, it's some, I'm learning something new every day in <laughs> right. terms of construction and architecture. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's well, you an learn amazing about experience. keeping workers from smoking cigarettes on the <laughs> all those kind of little <laughs> mundane things. But anyway, um, we're all geared up and ready to go. Um, again, it's the most exciting time of the year. Our major initiatives focus on springboarding off of a grant that uh, actually Manchester Access was part of last year, along with several other Cape Ann schools sponsored by the Tower Foundation. So we're involved deeply in social emotional learning and the development of a fully functional RTI system, which is response to intervention, which is a pre-special ed referral so that you don't, if a kid is struggling, automatically sign them up for SPAD or try to get them tested, that you work to try to find ways to reach solutions for those kids before a referral to an actual SPED process would be necessary. And that, that's really exciting to be able to focus on, you know, kids that just, if you can turn around one of the challenges and 
obstacles in their life, you can make it so much easier for them. So that that's really exciting. Um, probably our biggest initiative this year is a cooperative situation we have going on with the Gloucester schools that probably hasn't been heard about publicly too much, but contracts are about to be signed to do what's called a case study. And actually, uh, Superintendent Gloucester Rich Sapphire came up with a name, and it stands for Cape Ann Study for Education, which is um, going to be organized by the University of Massachusetts Donahue Institute uh, that is a think tank and has done studies of schools that have enrollment challenges and budget challenges around the state. Uh, foremost was in the Berkshires, and they'll do the same thing for us in which they'll look at a full continuum of um, our challenges and possibilities for our schools. Mm -hmm. So um, Rob, set this up for, yeah. for our audience and explain like why were you starting to talk to Gloucester and um, why this whole study is really important to Rockport? Well I think first of all we're you know contiguous communities, we're very close to each other. Um, we have a lot of students that choice into the Rockport Public Schools from Gloucester. Um, our enrollment um, has been dropping over the last number of years. Um, not so much because kids leave, but because it gets harder and harder to afford property in Rockport for school-aged families. And uh, as that enrollment drops, um, there become questions about you know, budgets and cost per student and what you can offer in your programs. We feel we have a, you know, a very extensive offering, but uh, some of what we can offer is dependent on a pipeline of students that come from another community. Right. So rather What's the than, breakdown there? Um, right now, out of 865 students, K to 12, there's 230 that choice in. The vast percentage come from uh, the town of Gloucester. So do the math, that's 27 percent. So basically one out of every three kids in a classroom, depending on the grade level, is not from the town of Rockport. And we try to sort of be blind to that. I, I'm, I'm not sure when I talk to a kid whether they're from Gloucester or Rockport, because some of them have been you know, with us all along. Mm -hmm. But um, that's a, a challenge that if you play that out, mm -hmm. you wonder, you know, if you don't start thinking about what the possibilities are, then five or 10 years from now, you may not be able to solve what those challenges are. Mm -hmm. So the, the discussion will be anywhere from, you know, cooperating and different programs that we could be sharing right now in special education, which is a highly expensive endeavor for kids that deserve those services completely for their educations, but they're very mm -hmm. costly, whether we can share those or not. And, um, you know, um, our technical center, uh, Essex Tech, is a regional school that's actually very hard to get into. We had probably 25 uh, freshmen that applied for that out of eighth grade, and I think they were only able to take five or six of those students. So those are kids that need something different, hands-on education in a lot of ways that are not able to get that through our regional tech center. Mm -hmm. And if we were able to maybe access some of Gloucester's tech programs, because they have a very strong tech program, then you're talking 10 miles away, then rather than going to Danvers or wherever the tech is right. and having to deal with that. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe some Gloucester kids can come over and do our programs. Mm -hmm. so, so, I mean, no, so this study by the Donahue Institute, yeah. 
um, will take a look at that sharing? Um, or or would it, it just would put everything out on the table for Rockport and Gloucester to see? I think the study's pretty open-ended, and I think depending on which lens you look through, the focus of the study is probably seen differently. I can't speak for what Gloucester's, you know, looking for exactly in terms of the study, but they obviously want what's best for their kids that are, the, you know, that they're educating in the best financial way that they can. Mm -hmm. If you look at it from the Rockport lens, you're trying to defend, rightly so, a small community school system and to keep it viable and operating in a community where there aren't as many uh, school-aged families as there used to be. Right. And if it comes time to have to ask for more support and more money through an override, mm -hmm. which we haven't had one, I've been here eight years now, and it was two or three years before I came here mm -hmm. that there was an override. And the time has come again for an override. And the override is needed for? Uh, because the uh, property tax cap is not enough to fund salaries and programs and special services and all those kind of things. So it needs an infusion of cash at some point. And it's been planned and known about that, that it would come. And it just happens that the case study and the override are simultaneously coming to a head. Right, moving And if together. you're a citizen in Rockport being asked to vote for an override, you have questions like, have you just... Uh, have you looked into other options? Have mm -hmm. you looked into possibilities? And if so the answer to that is no. That's not really very positive <laughs> to a voter. If the answer is, well, strange you asked that. Yes, we have uh, it. <laughs> we have this uh, you know, Donahue Institute study, independent, mm -hmm. not with any ax to grind, that have come in and they've yeah. drawn the following conclusions. And then the community can wrestle with what those conclusions are and be able to look at those facts and decide what they want to do, mm -hmm. and then they're better informed about putting an additional effort into the tax base to be able to support education, yeah. which I think the town of Rockport has always supported their kids and supported education, mm -hmm. and I think as the leaders, we need to have answers to those tough questions for people that may not have kids in school, and they want to know, yeah. have you exhausted mm -hmm. all the possibilities? When will the study be completed? Ideally, it would have been completed by November, but timelines get delayed a little bit. And it looks like right now that an actual finished report will be just before town meeting next spring, okay. at which point there'd be an override discussion. Right. So the community will be just having some focus groups and discussions about the results of that report at the same time that budgets are being put together and mm -hmm. school officials are proposing a override of X. Mm -hmm. Sounds and like the timing is right, like you said. And will the report perfect? The report it, will be public so that oh yeah, folks in Rockport will be able to have a, a draft that will be put out and then they'll have their final report. But I think the the biggest part will be having focus groups in the community that will come together and be facilitated by someone like you or whatever <laughs> who basically runs people through the issues and they can have a good community discussion about what that report says and what are people either willing to do or what they would choose to do and then the town of Rockport will decide what directions they're going to go in right. with regard to that and that will frame um, the future of education in Rockport. Well, Rob, it sounds like this is um, a, this is an answer in some ways to some questions that I get asked. Uh, or, you know, do you have any information on whether or not 
Rockport and Gloucester are going to merge, high schools mostly. Um, mm -hmm. Is there going to be a regional school? Uh, would there be a Cape Ann high school? <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I talk to a lot of people and this issue comes up all the time. So with the two of you sitting here, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. And, um, Pam, uh, you know, let's talk about budgets in, uh, in sure. general, Robin and Pam, um, because budgets are such a large part of the overall yep. town budget. Um, and in Manchester, are you seeing any, anywhere that you're really squeezed or areas that you're able to work within, or are you looking at an override in, in Manchester, we, Essex? We don't see an override in the immediate future, but we do have on our list of things to do this year talking about budget priorities. Um, I would say, just kind of jumping off the school choice point, we're almost in a reverse position from where uh, you are currently, which is in our early, I would say in the first 10 years of the regional district, um, I recall that we were, we carried about 150 school choice students at one point, and we're about half that now. So for us, that's been a reduction mm -hmm. in revenue. And the only reason we've declined in school choice is because our resident population has increased over that time. Uh, we hit our all-time high, I believe, in 2014, and we were coming off a 20% surge in resident enrollment. We've leveled off a little bit, but we still remain um, higher, uh, right around the 1,400, just under 1,400 students, so we don't have capacity for school choice. So one of our budget, point, budget concerns is with that reduction of revenue, that shifted costs back to the town because we're still maintaining the same basic size of a school district. Um, I'll just echo Rob's point. It, when you ask about what are the general concerns of budget, the budget and the, nece the necessary components of it and required components of it grow faster than our two and a half growth. Mm -hmm. Both my communities are incredibly generous. We work in very collaboratively um, with both the finance committees and boards of selectmen in Manchester and Essex. We meet almost on a monthly basis um, during budget season and throughout the year to discuss kind of the state of affairs in, in, all, um, in all of the entities. And, you know, we probably average about a 3.2 to 3.8 annual um, increase. It plays out because of regionalization. This is something, it, it plays out differently in each town. So if we grow at 3.5%, it could mean that one town's growth is 4 while another's yep. is Below. 3. Yep. So I think that's always a juggling act. But again, very collaborative, very supportive. But it's just... Um, you know, dwindling resources, but increasing responsibilities. Yeah. You know, um, I know in our roundtable we talk a lot about the increasing scope of work that schools are doing. Um, mm -hmm. It's no longer just a place where kids come and get right. um, academics. Yeah. We really are providing a wide breadth of social services. Yeah. Um, I think we we do a great job at it. I think we have very dedicated people, but we've expanded the types of people we have mm -hmm. on staff. Um, and the types of services we offer, mm -hmm. but we're still working under an old framework for budgeting. Right. So let's talk about those social services because it has to deal with pu public health issues, you know, certainly mm -hmm. mental health issues and other um, social emotional uh, needs for students, um, whether it's housing uh, sometimes is an issue, right? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, and the health kids issues. Are just, they, they, they're just more challenged, I think. The, the pace of the world, the 
social media aspect of the world, the sort of desensitization mm -hmm. of our existence has really affected our young people. Uh -huh. And we're seeing it, not just in Rockport. Well, I think what are you seeing? seeing what are you seeing in Rockport? And, and what do you see well, when I, you talk to you? I think we still to hold on to a lot of personal parts of Rockport. I think that's one of the attractants. But there, there is a depersonalization. You know, you watch kids sometimes on, on a field trip or whatever where they can use their phones. And it, the, the buses are very quiet because it's just constant oh. chatter that you don't hear. Like yeah. years ago, you had to quiet down on this bus. Mm -hmm. Now it's sort of like you don't have to quiet anything down. So the, what they're exposed to is so much different than when I was in school or when Pam was in school. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really challenging for kids. They have to grow up really, really quickly in a ever-increasing, fast-paced, complex, mm -hmm. confusing world. I mean, we talked about staffing, you know, people say, why is your budget going up when mm -hmm. your enrollment is dropping? Well, we used to have one school psychologist, now we have three full-time school psychologists. Why is that? Well, well, because of the needs of those students, the testing needs, the, the social needs of those kids that, that have to be provided for aren't necessarily in the classroom anymore. Mm -hmm. We have two adjustment counselors on top of the school psychologist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and I, I don't think it's any different yeah. whether you talk to Gloucester or you talk to Ipswich or whatever, yeah. the, the shifting from the academic core to the social service aspect mm -hmm. is what are driving our budgets. In a lot of ways, you don't find a brand new school psychologist the lower part of the teaching <laughs> scale. Generally, you look at it and you say, oh my goodness, look at that. <laughs> they, they have X experience and their degree is over here right. and automatically they're right at the top end of your, your salary scale and yes. deserve that. But the, that's a fairly costly endeavor when you add that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's my, my, this is my 45th year in education and I never saw the kind of needs either when I was a student or at, as when I first started teaching that I see now, the complexity of the needs. Mm -hmm. the, the family unit is so much different than it used to be mm -hmm. in terms of families that have both parents working wasn't necessarily the way it was mm -hmm. years ago and just mm -hmm. the issues that surround them and their exposure to those issues mm -hmm. is so much greater than when I went to school in New Haven, Connecticut, you know. So, Pam, what are you seeing in Manchester, Essex? So I think if we take kind of Rob's characterization of everything that we're dealing with in the broader social uh, mm -hmm. fabric, I think schools have assumed the role of, I think there was a time where our core function was to provide skill development and academic learning and preparation for work or college. And I think over time, we've become better at our craft and there's been a decline in resources available in, in, through the state and through municipalities in terms of mental health services and social services for students. So a bit of that has shifted to us because we understand that if kids aren't ready to learn, we can't teach them. So whether it's um, something as simple as the, um, the ruler program or making teachers more aware of emotional intelligence, that's one basic what we would call a tier one layer where we do what we can on a daily basis. We are also providing that mental level of mental health services and um, counseling, uh, academic intervention, social interventions that we didn't do and 20 or 30 years ago. And you're nutrition. Offering, you're offering meals. So we've become a, a broader, yeah. um, a broader service delivery system, um, and it's more it's more costly, 
And I think it's good work and an important work, and we are positioned to take it on. But I think we're all we're doing our best to communicate to the community that school wasn't necessary, isn't now what it was when we were in school. That mm -hmm. it, the work is very different and the challenges are greater. But I don't think, regardless of uh, the community that you're in, it may look a little different on the outside. But I think our kids are struggling with the same basic. Um, you know, basket of issues and concerns. And the complexity of uh, young people today, it's not only what they're exposed to on their phone, which is different, of course, from pre-cell phone mm -hmm. and smartphone use, um, but as you were saying, Rob, it's uh, the, the families are changing, family structures changing, um, availability of supervision or interaction. Mm -hmm. um, do you f I want to turn to the parents' role for, for a minute because it's really always critically important that's what we hear from schools, you know, have, you know, as a parent, you have to be involved in your children's learning. Of course, it helps a child learn um, more. And um, what, what's, what do you see as the biggest challenge for parents or the parent interaction with schools? Well, I'd say one of our biggest assets in Manchester, Essex, is the parent community. They're incredibly involved and supportive. Um, so I think there's a real strong partnership there. Um, in terms of can you give me your question again? So, what's the role of, of the of the parent here? You know, how do you sure. engage parents? And what are your what are your expectations for parents? Um, parents want to be included in the school community, mm -hmm. and, and uh, go, go, go ahead. Yeah, if you I was want. just yeah. going to say we, I think we actually communicate really well, but it isn't necessarily what I consider the best communication. It's not always face to face. It's a lot of uh, connected messages, mm -hmm. Email. spam the phone. <laughs> you know, right now you probably have, you know, 10 messages every day, including one from me about how wonderful the school year is going to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our parents do show up at open houses, and I'm very healthy that way, and they're very concerned. But they have lives that, you know, when they're working and they need a communication, yeah. um, they're getting hundreds of emails and what they do. It's it's a little bit depersonalized in mm -hmm. terms of that communication, yeah. but it's 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 strong. Well, what do you, you know, what do you strong. what do you suggest to parents then? Like, you know, I'm a working parent. I have um, a teenager in, in high school. Um, I I try to get to every game. Mm -hmm. I try to get to the open houses. Um, but there are moments where I just need to call the school, or I really need to get in touch with somebody yeah. and. Um, so it's funny that you gave that as a lead-in because I think we're good on. The parents are already there and at the ready to help volunteer, to attend a game, you know, something like a boosters organization. I think in our world of, of you know, quick communication between text and email, um, we're going to be going out this year um, with a communication to parents in the first week to reinforce kind of who to get in contact with yeah. when you're having trouble with yeah. your student. Um, you know, you don't necessarily go right to the superintendent's office because something's going right. wrong in math class. And for the most part, people follow the protocol, but I think, <laughs> I think if I could, you know, um, reinforce anything, it's that, you know, call your teacher first and start at the root yeah. of the problem yeah. and, and see it as a partnership to solve a problem as opposed to just transferring knowledge one way or the other. Yeah. And I also see that schools, you know, with the, with the addition of school psychologists and these adjustment officers, there's help at school. So if, mm -hmm. a, if a student is, or a parent is really seeing something they could call, right, if they're seeing um, mental health issues are so prevalent today in mm -hmm. uh, our teenagers um, that they, there is help at school. 
um, I, think, sure. I think that that's a, that's a vital thing. And so uh, we're almost out of time, and I was wondering if you could just give us like a quick window in to your inspiration. And Pam, just quick, what's your, what inspires you in your work? It's a very simple answer. It's the kids. Um, when you mentioned you might be asking us that, I thought back, I, the whole reason I ended up in education is because of the kids, because this was never my intended career. Um, I thought I'd be doing something along the lines of communications or law. Um, was very interested in politics, and after graduating from college, I decided um, I would teach for a bit and then go back and get my advanced degrees. Well, I just fell in love with teaching. I had a wonderful group of kids who um, made me realize that the hard work that went into teaching paid out in terms of helping them make the world a better place. So Rob, just quickly, inspiration. Yeah, I mean, ditto, basically. Patrick Swayze <laughs> oh. would say in Ghost, but I mean, it, <laughs> the kids are still what it's all about. I mean, they have, they're full of promise, and every day is so important to them that um, they have one shot at it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it, that's the exciting part. It's not yeah. like you can remake the tire part or whatever in some factory. Every mm -hmm. single decision you make for those kids influences their lives forever. And that's the exciting part that mm -hmm. keeps us uh, young and engaged, I think. And we're surrounded by really, really great educators. Yeah. I mean, the superintendents group are tremendous people and supportive of each other. Um, and I just think we're all, in this area anyway, dedicated to what's best for our kids. And mm -hmm. I, I think our parents see that, our communities see that and value that, and I, I feel really positive about uh, education. And a tremendous well, teaching force. Yeah. Right, well thanks yeah. for thanks yeah. so much for being on Cape and Report. Good luck to the school year, Rob Lebo yeah. and Pam Bowden. Um, have a great, have a great start. Thank you. And, uh, and until the next time on Cape and Report, um, take care, check us out on social media. Also, we're on 1623.org if you have any things that you'd like to let us know that you'd like to see on Cape Man Report. See you next time.